you don't have to know what you want to do you don't have to have it all figured out and i think there are a lot of expectations you know you go to uni you study your degree and then you do what that degree tells you to do but it's not as black and white as that it's great to laugh about it now but people don't see those sacrifices and and that's going back to the whole social media everything's wonderful thing you know there were days where i didn't have enough money to have a bus ticket and yeah it's not all shiny all the time sometimes my health idols don't have oiled six packs and biceps on the cover of a magazine. Sometimes they're Kelly Slater, who's 47 years old, mm. you know, and mm. kind of looking at, at even just our cover choices, our features um, that way. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Oh my goodness, you beautiful people. I literally feel like I was doing this for the last episode about seven minutes ago. Time is flying so fast this year. How are we into June already? So much exciting stuff going on now and in the months to come. For example, I just started working on Quote of the Day Flipbook number two and have a heap of exciting episodes in the pipeline as well. No idea how I've kept up with once a week, but it's an absolute pleasure and honor and your feedback brightens my day every single day. Thank you so much to those who mentioned a community group as well last time. I think it was a couple of episodes ago. I did a little call out just wondering if anyone would be interested. So I think I'll get something together probably on Facebook as a Facebook group, even just for a few of us to share the things that make us smile that we come across. So stay tuned on socials on at C's underscore the underscore yay, which has its own page and on my own, of course, Spoonful of Sarah. And if you haven't subscribed already, hit that button now so you don't miss a thing in the weeks to come. Now to today's guest, you've probably seen and heard in the last episode as well about the latest issue of Women's Health that I'm so grateful to have been included in, super chuffed and still pinching myself at the experience and my family has pretty much bought every copy within a 100 kilometre radius. The same day, the Men's Health magazine hit the shelves and both magazines are Nick and my go-to sources for anything new or noteworthy in health, fitness and well-being. Men's health readers may have noticed things being shaken up a bit for the better in recent times, and it's mostly due to legendary editor Scott Henderson, who has taken a more holistic approach to what constitutes fit and inspiring than what tradition has dictated, since taking over the reins quite by surprise. I was lucky enough to sneak him away when I was in the office to chat to him about his pathway to get there, his love of matcha and what an editor actually does. And it was an absolute blast. Such an interesting journey that didn't actually start in journalism and crosses both founder life and working up a corporate ladder. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Scotty. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) We're sitting in the men's health office, which is amazing to be here. I'm like, this is huge. It's a bit deceptive. I think people think they're going to get here and there'll be pool tables and (laughs) table tennis and dartboards, but um, it is an office, unfortunately. I was expecting some (laughs) kind of foosball or like a gym. Yeah, (laughs) no, we have to to actually do work, unfortunately. Oh, wow. That's (laughs) a shame. I know. What a bummer. (laughs) So the first segment is called WayTA, which is pretty much your story of how you got here but before that I think because in our you know digital world of social media people's lives can look very glam on the outside especially editor life so I love to start with asking everyone what the most down-to-earth thing is about them so what's something super relatable about you oh that's a good one it's a hard one oh I feel like my life would be very disappointing if people actually saw what it was um (laughs) I guess the thing that I'm best at cooking at is sadly two minute noodles I guess wow (laughs) that's my delicacy yeah I mean that's a skill it is a skill I mean they're not going to cook themselves are they (laughs) (laughs) I'm more of an assembler when it comes to the kitchen I think um 
Yeah, I mean, literally everything is down to earth about me. I'm in bed by nine o'clock every day. Oh, um, I love it. <laughs> Nana life. Yeah, exactly. There's there's nothing better, to be honest. <laughs> oh, that's so good. See, these are, I think people, we, we think our lives are boring, but I think people love to hear that it's okay to just be like a grandma. Well, that's the thing. People <laughs> often hate on the, the early nights and the leaving events early, but... I think it's out of jealousy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I, and I couldn't I'll leave. I'll fight that fight to make it socially acceptable. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you're on the same page. I have a couple of friends who love to stay till the end, and I'm like, mate, I just don't get it. I'm not going to stay with you. I'm sorry. Well, it's, it gets to that point in the night where I'm doing the maths, and I'm like, okay, there's eight hours till I get up. If I leave now, still, I'll only get home in an hour, so then that's seven hours of sleep, and then there's an hour of work before I go to bed, yeah. so that's only six hours. So just kind of, I need to go. You're like that meme that has the little equations the mass, exactly. going around. Yeah, that was based <laughs> off me. Yeah. Okay, so you're way TA. You're obviously in one of the most coveted positions, Editor of Men's Health, which is an amazing, amazing title to have. Uh, but I think one of the really exciting things that people like to hear is that the journey is firstly, it's never an overnight thing. And also people don't often expect that they're going to end up where they do. So I like to go back to the very beginning to kind of go through all your thinking the way along and the fact that pathways are never linear. But let's go very, like all the way back to young Scott. Yep. So born and bred in Sydney. <laughs> Baby Scott. Yep. Baby Scott. Um, always loved sport. Yeah. Swimming and rugby at school. Yeah. Wow, you've done your research. Always. Always. If you need a job, <laughs> let me know. Yeah. Um, so were you cool at school? Did you have an awkward phase? Were you like the jock or were you uh, the nerd or, yeah, what were you like when you were younger? I think we all have an awkward phase at school. <laughs> I loved school. I don't think I was particularly cool, but um, I kind of think of myself as kind of like a floater, like I floated between groups. Oh, yeah, and, I was a floater. Um, yeah, and it was just kind of, you know, didn't hate everyone, didn't hate anyone, didn't, you know, it was just kind of everyone was your mate, which I kind of enjoyed like you know you could find mates anywhere I think that probably came about just because I had so many different interests like I was in into my sport I was into music um probably not so much the classroom and academics um, (laughs) if my English teachers could see me now um (laughs) uh, but yeah I think just keeping a wide range of hobbies and kind of involving myself in kind of everything that school and that kind of age offered I kind of got to form friendship groups in kind of different areas. So, mm. yeah. And then I found it really interesting that at uni there was no journalism there. No. Which is fascinating. Yeah. So I'm guessing you didn't know, always know that you'd end up here. No, I mean, it's kind of, men's health is one of those kind of pipe dreams. Like, you know, it exists and, you know, I always grew up reading it. But, yeah, but no journalism. I um, When I left school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. And I think, you know, we're kind of a similar age. When we were growing up, it was kind of, the world was changing so quickly and technology was developing so fast. And there was always this kind of thing that we were told at school. It's like the job that you're going to do probably doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of a big believer in that saying because, you know, I knew the fields I was interested in and I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to work in an office. <laughs> um, but, you know, I didn't want to have a suit and tie. I didn't want yeah. to have a briefcase. Um, There's no suit and tie and briefcase today, by the way. Yeah, I, I'm really <laughs> glad this is a podcast. <laughs> yeah, and... And I knew exactly, I knew what I was interested in and what I didn't want to do. So I kind of went through that and I thought, well, if I'm going to spend the next five years of my life studying, I'm going to study things that I'm passionate about. And that was health and fitness and international studies. So that's, that's where I went to study. Yeah, that's so cool. So you did Bachelor of Management in Sports and Exercise yep. and Business Management. It's like such a long degree title. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Yeah. And a Bachelor of International Studies with Spanish. Yes. And you actually studied in Spain, is that right? For yeah, correct. As well, which See. is awesome. <laughs> there you go. That's, See. that's it. See. Yeah. If that doesn't um, prove it, I don't know what will. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you're so fluent. You're welcome. <laughs> that means yes, by the way. And you also, did you do a stint at Stanford 2007? Yeah, so I well, it's the confusing the Stanford thing. So I did my internship with Stanford Athletics. So um, okay. I worked there for a few months, basically with their athletics department, with the athletes and the teams and that sort of oh, thing. Oh, awesome. Yeah, which was, it's incredible. The amount of 
uh, I guess the infrastructure and facilities and, and kind of money pumped into the college system in the US, it's it's more than our um, professionals get here. It's it's absolutely, it's just really eye-opening and it was an awesome experience yeah. as like a launch pad into kind of working in the Aussie market. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And I, so you were living in Spain for a year as well when you yep. were doing your BA in Spanish language. When you were over there and you was that towards the end of the degrees? Yeah, it was the second last year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like around that time, did you think like did you have an idea forming of what you wanted to do because they're quite you know broad degrees that you can combine as well to kind of go off and do a number of different careers did you have any idea then what you wanted to go into as a job yeah so well still not really what I wanted to do as a job I knew the field um, and that was definitely still health and fitness um, and I knew I wanted to work for myself Mm -hmm. um, so I'd figured out that much by that point Um, and then basically the goal was with the Spanish was to kind of um, I'd never been to Spain before I studied there, but then as that year happened, I always saw myself going back to Spain and working there and working oh. out of there. But then, you know, things happen that are out of your control. Um, <laughs> the GF- yeah, the GFC hit. And oh, um, yeah. so I actually went back to Spain about four years after studying and that was my big kind of, cool, I'm here, moving here kind of thing. And um, that was kind of... Spain kind of got hit by the GFC really hard. And by the time I went back, I think it was 2013, I was like, yeah, cool. I'm, you know, had a bit of experience in sports marketing, a little bit of practical experience coaching, working with athletes. I was like, this is it. This is my my thing. And then, so I went back there and then, you know, Spain had an unemployment that was, you know, I think in our age demographic was like over 50%, which which is just massive. And, you know, they weren't hiring Spanish people, let alone... Surfy Aussie guys that just rocked up ready to work. Yeah, exactly. So um so yeah, the Spanish thing never kinda kinda eventuated as a long term thing, but hey, I can understand Shakira songs now. So Oh that's a key skill. (laughs) So there you go, that's a uni degree right there. I also I did the same. I travelled a lot. I did French um and Japanese at uni actually and Chinese and I did a lot of exchanges and I think even if you do nothing except absorb another culture. Yeah. It just prepares you so much for everything that you do. Like having that worldview and that kind of open-mindedness of seeing the way that other people do things, you cannot come back without, you know, new yeah. perspectives. And it's so true. And especially like, you know, obviously in health and wellness, which mm. we both work, it's you have to be open-minded and just having those experiences out in the world kind of really relate. I mean, we were just talking before we pressed record about even the cultural differences between Sydney and <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> you wouldn't think it, but there are cultural differences yeah. and kind of, and, and, you know, working in media, having to kind of cater to that, but then being open-minded to different approaches and yeah, yeah. yeah. it was, is uh, travel is the best educator you can ever, ever undertake. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you came back and I can imagine probably had a little bit of like the reverse culture shock of coming back home after yep. <laughs> living overseas. Um, but coming back to Sydney, of course, the beaches, the clean air, it's such a beautiful place to live. Um, and the next little while, it was interesting to just look back at your career and see how the love of sports and marketing kind of both continued in different ways, like in and out with different roles. So there was surf lifesaving. Yep. Yep. Marketing manager of a swim school. Yep. Director at Barefoot PT, which yep. you'd done your cert three and four yep. along the way as well. Yep. And then agency side at Mark Edwards <laughs> and Abercrombie in the UK. So a bit of everything yeah. along that journey. So we can just scratch off the Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> still that. in your LinkedIn, mate. Uh, yeah. It's still there. <laughs> well, good to know. We will get rid of that. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of like every role I ended up, it's as cliched as it sounds, has kind of led to this job. Mm. You find my two passions are obviously marketing and media and then health and fitness. So I was kind of exploring and doing different jobs and bouncing around a little bit. Um, You know, not too much, like two years in a job, one Mm -hmm. year here and there. Um, And then I also got that experience of working for myself as well, which was kind of good. But then I was kind of I was in my early 20s and I was doing full time jobs with my own side hustle on the side, which, you know, is nothing new nowadays. It kind of it happens a lot. But I at the time it would have been like quite pioneering (laughs) well I mean I had uni at the time as well when I was finishing off in that last year so I had at one point I had these three kind of major things going on and you know then you've got girlfriends and you know family and then you normal friends and it's just it was a lot to take on (laughs) so I kind of the fact that I've ended up now with this one focus is is kind of 
it's a huge focus, but mm. it's kind of refreshing. Refreshing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I love multitasking and I love the variety that this role brings because it's kind of draws on aspects of all the experience that I've had leading up to this point. Mm. Yeah. I think that you're such a good example of the fact that before, you know, the role of roles, there is a lot of exploration and that involves yeah. like sometimes two years at a time of like a role that you don't necessarily need to think you're going to do forever, yeah. but you're just doing it to kind of figure out where you want to end up. And that's by a process of elimination. And I think people really beat themselves up about not knowing what they want to do, but part of you know, a good decade for most people involves trying lots of different jobs to figure it out. Yeah, and that's totally. okay. And um, and I think it's it's being, like to your point, it's like being easy on yourself and not mm. forcing it. You know, you don't have to know what you want to do. You don't have to have it all figured out. And I think there are a lot of expectations. You know, you go to uni, you study your degree, and then you do what that degree tells you to do, the pathway that it leads you to. But it's not as black and white as that. Yeah, um, totally. And and it is okay to find your way. And you know we're so lucky in the world we live in now that there are so many opportunities and avenues to explore. And you know tools like social media are incredible for a discovering what's out there, but b showcasing what you're capable of as well. Mm, I yeah. also love what you said about that single focus. I think we do all have a lot of balls in the air at the moment, and it's really hard sometimes to get anything done in one single thing because you're like got so many balls in the air that you're just doing all of them half-heartedly and I almost yeah. crave like you were just saying I just get to focus on one thing and I thought oh my god that would be amazing imagine how much I would get done if I just focused on one yeah. thing well I mean but then like the flip side of that is you know in my job you know being the editor of Men's Health now is not just making a magazine you know yeah. we have the magazine we have the website we do events we have podcasts we do video you know it's so many channels. again it's the same ball it's the balls in the air thing and yeah. i i still get that kind of like tingling every now and then i'm like <laughs> oh you know what about this like little side hustle and i'm like okay cool where's the time gonna come first yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that pretty much just shuts it down <laughs> <laughs> so you did actually go the founder route though for a little while in there and ran your own show with scott henderson media and team unlimited with Kerry kitte yeah correct and also all I see swimwear. So that's like three different things going on yeah, <laughs> over the yeah. course of a couple of years. So tell us about starting your own gig and how that was and then also how it ended up that you decided not to p pursue some of those as well. Yeah, well, I guess that's probably the real interesting bit. But, yeah, um, definitely. So basically I did the Abercrombie thing, which we scratched off the record and yep. we'll be off my LinkedIn after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but that was almost like a career break. Um, so it was kind of mid-20s, you know, went to London. That's when I was going to pursue the Spain thing. Things didn't work out how I expected. So that was a little year career break. And then came back to Australia and um, basically started freelancing, doing marketing and PR but still in that health and fitness space. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just happened organically because I had the contacts there. People knew that I knew my way around a pitch, knew my way around the marketing scene. And I was just quite fortunate with my network. Um, you know, there were, I'd been to university with some people with some great minds that had gone on to work for great businesses. Um, I'd met people through my jobs. So yeah, so that kind of led to Scott Henderson Media. Through that, one of the brands I worked with was Nikon. Um, oh, awesome. camera. Yeah, yeah. So I learned my way around a camera. And then this, of course, was probably around 2014 when I, and 15 when kind of the big Instagram boom was happening. Yeah. So I then had that those visual media skills under my belt, which clients wanted as part of the marketing and PR package, which yeah, I was awesome. able to offer as a freelancer myself. I actually found a really funny link that says, Scott Henderson, photographer, influencer, blogger. And I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love this. I, I love that it's still things. there. Yeah. <laughs> the internet, you can't hide anything. I know. <laughs> I was like, I've got to bring that up somehow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so through the industry, I met Kerry Kitte, who mm. is another, or well, she's a health and fitness publicist, um, who I think you know quite well. Yeah, You've she's worked amazing. With quite well. Many she's times. incredible. So I think, Kerry and I, I remember she reached out to me and it's it's actually the best story because, you know, in every sense of the word, we were doing exactly the same thing in the exact same industry. We would have been competitors, but we met and it kind of like this, basically we clicked immediately and we were kind of like almost the best of friends from, from the get-go. Oh, and, that's so awesome. But we recognized as well that we actually had skill sets that were complementing each other. Yep. And so what we did was then we went 
we basically started pitching for business together mm-hmm. with my skill set and her skill set combined. We still weren't the same company yet, but we're kind of just pitching for these jobs. And then we started to get these clients and we were like, <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> Maybe we should merge. <laughs> yeah, we have a pretty unique offering here. And, you know, we both as well just our values were super aligned you know we we had that same drive I'd kind of never seen myself in another person that way professionally before yeah and yeah it kind of it went on for a few months and I think both of us you know were working opposite each other every day and neither of us had the balls to say it and then we're just like (laughs) what are we doing do we just (laughs) make a company (laughs) um so we did and um it was awesome and it was you know i learned so much off kerry i still do to this day you know that actually reminds me i have to text her back oh yeah (laughs) just on the way in here yeah um but yeah so we did that for i think close on four years um and then about two years into that we did a project with So the thing with Kerry as well, Kerry and I, we were both just kind of, if we had an idea, we would pursue it. You just go for it. Yeah. We had our main marketing and PR company. um, And then, you know, we would have a whole bunch of ideas every, probably every couple of months, every couple of weeks, maybe. And so we actually started up a few businesses that just never took off (laughs) just because we were just, we just had this energy and we just fed off each other, which was great. Um, and then, yeah, about two years into it, we did a project with Olympic swimmer, Liesl Jones. So that project happened with one of our clients. And then we kind of went out to lunch one day and we were kind of saying what we would have done differently with like, if we had that brand and then we were kind of talking in like all of our lives were quite similar. We lived near the beach, we would swim, we would work out, we would run, but we didn't have active wear that would do all of those things, mm-hmm. basically our lifestyle brand. And then it was literally at that lunch in Double Bay, sitting around the table. And then we were like, well, why don't we start a brand? (laughs) (laughs) And that was one of those crazy business ideas that actually caught. So we spent a year developing it. Um, It was a long, long process, um, a lot of money, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. But um, yeah, went to market. I think that would have been early 2017, maybe 16 or 17. It's, I can't believe, like, it's all the years getting it's just a blur. Yeah, it's all a Well, blur. I've got Jan 2016. There we go. Jan so. 2016. There you go. <laughs> and such a cool name as well. All I see, but like SEA. Yeah, like, yeah. Like the ocean. So, um, so that business was actually really interesting because it's one of those things where you just, it's, again, proof that sometimes your work finds you. So we launched and, um, you know, it was beautiful looking stuff. We had great marketing campaigns. um, But then we found that our customer was male and we were filling this gap in the male market. And the only male products we had were basically budgie smugglers and (laughs) um, shorts, but the shorts were made out of this incredible material. And most of our business was repeat business from people just buying up more of these shorts in um, different colors. Um, So, it was funny. We kind of thought that the market would steer us towards a female audience with, you know, crop tops and, yeah. and quick drying tops and that sort of thing. But yeah, we ended up having this product that was heavily male or it was in demand from our male consumers. So, so yeah, so then we ended up having the PR marketing business that was Carrie and I, and then we had All I See, which was our active swimwear brand um, that was Carrie, myself and Liesl. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Now that's, is that still open? Like that's still um, operational? So it's rebranded. Um, I've actually left the business mm-hmm. just because I couldn't give to it what I wanted to give to it. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things, you know, so we rebranded um, and it's kind of, Kerry, I know we'll do something incredible with it. Yeah. We kind of came to the decision together that we wanted it to have a purpose. So we yeah. were trying to find the right cause that we wanted to kind of donate the business to and that sort of thing. Um, anyone that's gone into manufacturing in Australia, you know, if you want to do it, I know Sarah's shaking her head. <laughs> if you want to do it the right way and not sell out, you know, you can make it offshore. You can sacrifice quality um, to lower your prices. You can use unethical materials. You know, if you want to do it ethically, if you want to do it, you know, sustainably, it's very hard. Mm. Um, and anyone that has a business that that manages to keep that up, like I applaud you because I we, we've tried exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah and you know although we had this huge demand for the men's shorts 
it's then, you know, it's a supply and demand thing. It's like, well, we need to then make more to sell more, but then mm. you have to have more to sell more to have that money to make more kind of, <laughs> it was that whole. It's a bit of a mess actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, Kerry will be custodian of that brand and, you know, I'm always here to help her, but, you know, she, it, that's again where we were the perfect compliments for each other because she has this incredible business brain. Mm. Um, I'm all about pretty pictures and telling <laughs> stories and, you know, and that's kind of lends itself perfectly to my job now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and partnerships and working with great people. And she's very good at that as well, but she's extremely business-minded and extremely business-savvy. Mm. So, um, so yeah, it just kind of came to, I guess, a point about eight months ago where actually it was even before this role was on the table for me and I was working for Men's Health Online and I, I was almost holding her back. So, so yeah, she's a custodian of that and I cannot wow. wait to see where it goes. Yeah. It's actually so cool. One of the things you said just before was that often the work finds you. And I think that's one of the really important things to remind people of, especially if they're in a bit of a lost phase in their life, that if you do think that you've got to know what you're going to do and have a clear direction and path all the time, then you're not making space for things to find you. So sometimes no. just rolling with it is when the opportunities actually fall into your lap. Absolutely. And, you know, I had... I, th I think it's also important as well to talk about kind of like like the lessons as well. You know, mm. I thought that all I see, you know, that was it yeah. for me. And I thought, you know, so I put all my money and all my savings into that brand. You know, there were nights when I wouldn't eat. You mm. know, there I remember, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like. It, you would literally take the free biscuits from like <laughs> <laughs> from restaurants yeah. and that would be a meal and like it's great to laugh about it now but people don't see those sacrifices totally. and and that's going back to the whole social media everything's wonderful thing you know there are days when you're super hungry there are days mm -hmm. when you know you like there were days when I didn't have enough money to have a bus ticket you know I remember one of my friends got married um during that last year of all I see and yeah we were selling product but that money wasn't going into my pocket it was going into the business you know what I mean and we weren't paying ourselves wages and you sacrifice everything and yeah one of my friends got married and I didn't have money to pay for a bus ride which what like four dollars or something to get, um, to get there and I had to miss my mate's wedding because oh, I couldn't get there it. Oh, but it's yeah <laughs> oh it's all good it has a happy ending yeah. <laughs> but um but you know that's just kind of the struggles that you go through that never make it to social media they Absolutely. never you know people and I guess that's where like platforms like this are great for sharing mm. those stories and you know same like men's health we tell these stories of you know what it really takes mm. and and yeah, it's not all shiny all the time. Totally. There's a, the whole next section is called an ATA, which is all of that stuff, because I think it's that's the stuff that firstly makes the stories really relatable and makes everyone else know that if they are going through that, that's part of it. It's an, yeah. It doesn't mean it's going wrong. It means it's going right. That's yeah. what gets you to eventually where you are. And so often you want to share these stories as well, but then you think, I don't want to position it as I'm looking for sympathy, totally. but it's more that I want to share this story to say, because I know I didn't have it the toughest out there, yeah. you know, like yeah. the fact that I had a mate that was getting married is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't ever want to seem unappreciative either. Exactly. The fact that yeah. you've got these opportunities. So you don't want to complain because it sounds bad, but yeah, yeah. you don't, you also don't want to hide the fact that it is really hard and that, you know, I think the other thing is because businesses can look like they're doing really well with high sales or high, you know, exposure and brand awareness out there on the internet, people are like, oh, you guys are rolling in it. Yeah. And like, you have no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cash all goes into stock. We exactly. are destitute. Well, not like, destitute, but you know, like yeah. two minute noodles. I know about two minute noodles because of the business. Well, like, and that's, that's how I mastered it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, and it is one of those things like, like the first default position for anyone is, oh, you're killing it. And yeah. it's like, thank you, first of all, but you know, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really not. And, and again, it's not like a woe is me story, but like the business was doing well and we were working our asses off for the business, but that's also, you know, that also came at a sacrifice to our other business, which, you know, we had to cut back on clients because we didn't have enough time in the day to run this swimwear business, mm -hmm. um, and service our clients. Yeah. Um, you know, and then that was two of us living off the income from the clients. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, it was a tough balancing act, but, um, you know, we you came did, through. We're still it. mates. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So how then did you transition into men's health? So you were already there at this time doing yep. digital content? 
Yeah, so I started with Men's Health in 2017, the end of 2017, mm-hmm. um, as a digital content editor. Um, so I came on board and there was another digital guy, Alex Perotti, who now runs the website. Um, so we were kind of a two-man show on the website, um, living our best life, <laughs> <laughs> chasing clicks, going to events. Um, I actually listened to an episode of a podcast that you did when you were in that position and it's so funny hearing you talk about it. You're like, you know, I just kind of like have a lot of fun on the internet. Like yeah. <laughs> you were just playing it down so much and I'm like, little did you know you would be the editor shortly after that. <laughs> yeah, it prob- I think I know the one you're talking about and it was probably I was in talks and I had to just be like, yeah, yeah I don't cool. know. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> So how did you work your way up? I mean, particularly not coming from a heavy, heavy background of journalism. How did you position yourself for the editorial role? And did you plan that from kind of the beginning when you came in? Was that a goal or did it just happen? Or So that's the kind of the first question even my bosses here kind of asked me, you know, like <laughs> what's the five-year vision? And yeah, okay. I'm like, well, this was kind of my five-year plan. So I'm extremely grateful. That I'm it's already there. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, the way PR is now and marketing, I was doing a lot of writing and content creation in my job prior to coming on to Men's Health. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just purely, you know, a, a thing of my journalistic skills I guess came across through life experience Um, but again you know I'm not a political journalist I'm a journalist in what I know which is health and fitness Um, so and then again as well to credit the team you know I came on board and some of our senior writers from the magazine when I was working on the website would would help me you know write articles that would help me with interview technique Mm. Um, we have a credible PR department within Pacific magazines that kind of media trained me so I could do Facebook lives and and podcasts and at least (laughs) string a sentence together on a podcast. Well, they've done well. (laughs) You're doing amazingly. (laughs) I will cringe the whole way through listening to this. um, So I kind of worked my way through that. I think what kind of happened was so Luke Benedictus, who was the editor um, before I left, he kind of called me into a meeting almost a year ago to the day um, and he kind of called me downstairs and he said, look, I haven't told anyone yet, but I'm leaving. And I was kind of like, okay, why are you telling me? I'm quite junior <laughs> in the cool men's man. health team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, great story. Um, <laughs> but um, I – and then he goes, I'm thinking of putting you forward for the job. Is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, 100%, but I have a few steps to go. And, you know, he kind of explained to me – quite wise that he came from a journalistic background he didn't come from a health and fitness background Mm -hmm. and I think you know he kind of explained you know where media is going which which I was kind of aware of as well but Mm -hmm. um for a role like this you really need someone that's immersed in the brand and that lives the brand and you know as editor I still write because I love writing um and it's one of my passions but most editors don't write they commission the content which is a great thing and being from that health and fitness world kind of as I'm the ultimate men's health consumer and as part of the team I kind of especially now I know what I want to hear and I know what stories I want to read and I know mm. who I want to hear that information from and you know it was a huge risk kind of putting me forward to, for the role mm. um, which so far touch wood has paid off for our audience. Like our audience has grown, which in the world of oh, magazines, congrats. That's well, amazing. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> in the role of, in the world of magazines, you know, halting decline is the goal, but reversing decline yeah. is, is kind of crazy, which luckily for men's health. And I think it's just, it, it's honestly, you know, I'm not going to take credit for that. It's just kind of looking at it differently and going, well, you know, like sometimes my health idols, don't have oiled six packs and biceps on the cover of a magazine. Sometimes they're Kelly Slater, who's 47 years old, Mm. you know, who is starting to get a bit of a dad bod, but he's still beating the younger guys, you know, and Mm. kind of looking at, at, even just our cover choices, our features um, that way. I've gone fully off topic. What was the question? No, that, no, that was awesome. Well, that was kind of my next question was what does an editor actually do? Because I think, you know, outside of the world of magazines, journalism, editorial, people don't actually know what the editor actually does. Um, but the, the question was how did it come about? And it's so oh, interesting okay, yep. to hear that, <laughs> you know, I think some people go in going, I, you know, when they're born, I want to be editor of men's health. It's so cool that you came to it as a consumer. Yeah, Like it's yeah. been in your your consciousness of your whole life and then the role just kind of came to you i mean so and funny. early as well that's amazing yeah well in um 
I mean, I was actually, it was funny, like when I was in the UK, I was looking through, this was a couple of months ago now, kind of job applications. I'd kind of sent off what during those Abercrombie days. <laughs> and Men's <laughs> Health UK was one of them. Exactly. <laughs> Men's Health UK was actually one of them. No like way. I loved the UK magazine. And it was funny because a lot of guys I worked with at Abercrombie were actually in the magazine. Oh my as gosh. Models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And basically I think as well, another aspect is, I guess, coming from the health and fitness world was those relationships with not only like talent and, mm. and kind of those identities in, within the world, but because I'd come from the marketing background, having those brand connections. Yeah. So, you know, the brands we work with are very much, you know, although like, and I think everyone's aware, you know, we have to run a business, we have to have advertising and we have to work mm. with brands, but just kind of working with the team to be conscious about that the brands that we do work with align with our values mm. and that it's a beneficial partnership. And I think, you know, probably since I've come on board, maybe we work with less commercial partners, but we're working with those those commercial partners more because it makes sense for us and it makes sense for our consumer, for yeah. our audience. Um, you know, it's not forced. You know, yeah. if we did something with a fast food chain, that's not going to make sense and it's going to leave people puzzled and it's going to build mistrust among yeah. our audience. Whereas, you know, if we work regularly with the same brands that hold the same values and promote those same values, it's bingo. consistent. Yeah, yeah, and it just kind of it works for everyone. It's not forced. You know, they're brands that we love. Our readers love to learn about them you know it's mutually beneficial yeah so as editor do you go through every single thing like every single page of every issue and vet everything yeah you could ask me (laughs) an issue what page an article appeared on and i'll i'll I'm pretty good. Yeah, that's so <laughs> I miss cool. Five, I could tell you within the page, like a 10-page page range, I reckon. Amazing. Yeah. But also keep in mind, I've only had, I think my fourth issue is on stands now. So I've only had, I only have four issues in my brain. Still, that's a, that's a whole magazine. <laughs> let's, let's do this interview again in five yeah. years and see if I can still remember. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to the next section, we kind of touched on a bit, um, the NATA, which is all the things that have gotten in the way of your joy along the way. So a, a really common theme that comes up often is self-doubt and confidence. Yeah. And particularly knowing now that you came into the job, what you consider was quite early. Was that a big factor for you? Like worrying that you, weren't ready or that people would think you were too young or whatever like did you have that factor yeah 100% I still battle with that daily really Um, yeah I think just because as well you know I really struggle I want everyone to like me yeah (laughs) and I want to be (laughs) I want to be everyone's mate but sometimes I can't be and you know sometimes tough decisions have to be made like I'll use the example our last issue we had a cover guy planned and then three days before we were going to print that cover guy admitted to taking steroids openly and he's an athlete so it kind of put me in a moral dilemma and you know I want to show up to work and be the happy guy and be like happy go lucky and yeah. everyone's made and oh don't stress don't worry yeah, but yeah. I was like guys we need to turn this around we need a new cover in two days yeah. we need a new interview we need to rejig the whole thing and I think kind of coming in and being that voice of authority and it's totally in my own head but I do mm. struggle with kind of thinking I'm young, I'm working with guys that are 20 years, you know, my senior that have been in the industry a lot longer than I have. But then I think as soon as you kind of flip that on your head and you kind of think, well, people, not everyone is trying to tear you down. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think that's the first thing to worry. <laughs> so the first thing to worry about is pe- most people have the same worries that you have. So, you know, if you're worried about surface level things like how you look or how you're performing everyone else is having those same doubts themselves Mm. and people are much less worried about you than they are about themselves so that's the first thing to remember (laughs) the second especially in my team you know we're a really small team there's only eight of us but really yeah yeah well eight immediate yeah um, yeah. still wow yeah and then we share a few like satellite staff across women's health and men's health yeah but every one of those guys has helped me in this job and you know they we complement each other so well and they're all there to boost each other up you know yeah. it's actually incredible like i didn't think it's one of the reasons why i always wanted to work for myself um because i didn't think you would ever find that level of cohesion and support yeah. but it's rare but we we kind of have nailed it oh, that's amazing <laughs> without I- bragging <laughs> <laughs> no it's a credit to you as well i always say you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with and in a workplace in an office to be happy with that statement is actually quite an achievement yeah like, that's actually really funny you say that i did an instagram post this morning with that exact no. caption yeah. and it was a picture and it was a picture of my team oh my god yeah. shut up. no way i promise i like, haven't seen that yet was that like, wasn't you're, like <laughs> you're a product of the people you spend your most time yeah with. and then i was like 
fuck yeah, I've nailed it. Oh, I mean. No, 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 totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can swear, you can swear. <laughs> and what about, you know, you were talking about the superficial things, like what you look like. Do you find that because you're kind of Mr. Men's Health, like you're representing health and fitness all the time, even though you're really, really busy with a huge position, that you do find expectation to look a certain way or project a certain energy and fitness or to be connected and on social media and accessible all the time yeah totally um kind of all those different things Mm -hmm. like in their own silos so i mean even today like i you know you hear you look at your diary and you're like yeah cool internal meeting internal meeting and then podcast and you don't think oh you're actually meeting someone from the industry (laughs) and then it was halfway through the morning and i'm like i've got gross slacks on and (laughs) no i I love it jumper i'm a mess like not at um, all but, you know, th- I, I definitely feel that. And also because a lot of commercial partners we work with are fashion and, and yeah. quite high. Like our radar is actually quite high income and high end. So mm. a lot of the brands we work with are from that world. Um, you know, I when I'm not at work, <laughs> I'm in the gym and my gym is awesome. And, you know, we just roll around the floor. We're exhausted. We get sweaty. We get dirty. It's, it's the best. And that's what I look like and that's how I conduct myself <laughs> being authentic. outside of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in many ways, I live the brand in that aspect. Yeah. Um, the fitness, not necessarily in the nutrition because of two-minute noodles confession. I'm <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's then the style element and, you know, which I guess, it, but for me, I'm learning that as well. And, you know, yeah. it's it's that thing about who you surround yourself with so you know i recognize that shortcoming in my knowledge and my expertise so then you know we have great style editors and contributors and that sort of thing that can kind of educate me and educate you know as i say i'm the consumer so i can kind of ask the questions that our consumer wants to know (laughs) but the social media thing absolutely you know (laughs) when i got this role i had a big meeting with the pr and marketing team here at pacific magazines and i think the big takeaway message was keep your shirt on um, <laughs> on social media. <laughs> uh, oh my which, God. you know, I'm a surfer and I spend a lot of time at the beach, so it's, it it's doesn't always one. happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they were kind of like going through and they're like, yeah, your social media is fine. You know how, how to interact with your audience. But they're like, please just keep put your, your top sh- back on. You're, a, you're an editor now, <laughs> so please put your shirt on. So I'm like, no right, good, um, good reminder. Oh but, my um, God, Nick would never survive. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I just get, I'm like, when That's he has a shirt friend, on, right? I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, man. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also that, um, you know, I kind of wants to, to be real on social media. Um, and I do struggle, you know, everyone's like, it's that expectation work has an expectation, you know, also just by the way, you don't have to post just, uh, you know, I put that pressure on myself sometimes like, Oh, I haven't posted. It's like, well, if you don't have anything to say. It's not and gonna, also, you're not going to contrive. A post, I'm quite lucky. The... I have a magazine and a website that I can say what <laughs> what I want to say yeah. and put out those messages. But you know, I want to share. I kind of treat my social media. I try to like I treat the magazine. So I want to share other people's stories. Mm. Um, I don't always think that maybe my story is not the most interesting story. Um, mm. You know, I, I have things that I want to share. But then you, again, it's that self doubt thing. You're like, oh, do totally. other people want to hear that? That and. Um, you know, there are people out there in the world, like Nick and yourself are, one, are two two great examples. And the whole actually Melbourne kind of, I, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like Instagram health Scene. and fitness community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, are really great. I kind of, I see social media from my point of view as as an education tool for, for other people. So mm. I'm quite lucky I get to interview and meet incredibly smart and interesting and engaging people. And I want to share that. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to say, hey, look what I got sent today. <laughs> How great do these shoes look on me kind yeah. of thing. You know what I mean? But, totally. Um, totally. But yeah, so that's the kind of the kind of pressures, I guess. I guess. And, you know, you do want to stay visible and you kind of want to show people what's going on behind the scenes, behind the magazine. And and also it gives me an opportunity to explain some of the decisions. I think um, it's a great platform for that kind of direct customer relationship where you can access them and explain things. Yeah. And I think, you know, we are so visible now and being so attached to the brand, people kind of need to know a little bit about that. You know, men's health, changed quite drastically when I came on board Women's mm. Health Australia just because I very consciously tried to take that approach of health and fitness isn't 
one look it isn't one feel and it's Mm. not one method it's quite holistic and you know we've got some covers coming up that will shock people and people might scratch their heads (laughs) i love that though i think that's so timely for same and and i do too and it's it's you know we we have old guys we have young guys we have um traditionally fit looking guys we have guys that are probably consider a little bit more bloated and you know we have guys cover guys that their story isn't necessarily about fitness it's about mental health and it's it's kind of an exciting time yeah and it's like it's working people are liking the diff the variety and i think it's almost like each men's health has its own identity each issue so it's a lot of work and pressure on the team (laughs) but it's obviously delivering like people will search for what they can relate to and i think yeah and like i said i can only go by what i what stories i want to hear and what i want to read yeah yeah but uh, well obviously you're the target market so that's going really well for you (laughs) yeah also who do i want to meet this week (laughs) yeah Yeah. i was actually going to say this whole podcast is literally like who do i want to have a chat to yeah Yeah. (laughs) if anyone else listens i mean that's great but if they don't like i got to chat with that person (laughs) yeah that's right yeah (laughs) well i'm just conscious of your time so I'll race through the next section uh the last section is called play TA which is my favorite part because it's the bit where I think we just get so caught up in busy these days and we're often busy not towards anything we're just busy because we think that we need to keep up with people and you kind of lose track of like your happiness or your fulfillment or what you're enjoying so who is Scott when you're not the editor of Men's Health and particularly when your job is something that's so intimately related with your lifestyle. It's even harder to separate you outside of work from you at work. What do you do that's just for you? That's not for like learning or growing or getting fitter or getting healthier. What's just something that you do that makes you forget what time it is? Is it surfing? Is it swimming? Yeah, is it I, reading? Guess, I guess I'd have to say it's surfing. That's probably the one thing that's qu- that's totally removed. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, even when you're working out or, or you're reading, like I always read, with that kind of, oh, how's this person telling that story thing yeah. in, my, in the back or of my head? Or can I get them on the cover next time? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So I guess it would be surfing, but this is actually another real timely question because, you know, a lot of my mates and my friendship network, they all have these incredible hobbies. And, you know, I kid you not, even last night, you know, I was on Google with my flatmates. What Googling, are hobbies? You literally, <laughs> what, like hobby finder. So um, <laughs> So because, you know, like one is doing pottery, one yeah. has his own woodshed and his doing woodwork one of the girls i know has started up crochet club um scuba diving courses and i'm like i could i'd love to do all those things but i want to find my thing so i was like how do i maybe i could just do a youtube tutorial and make a surfboard Um, that's (laughs) awesome but yeah it's it's actually it is really hard and it's something that i consciously am in the process of trying to find what that is because you do definitely need that separation from work. And like you said, my job and my interests are so interlinked. There's rarely that distinguished kind of line in the sand. And you know what? I'll probably find a hobby and write an article about it. Yeah, and you'll turn it into work. I'll taint that pure (laughs) pursuit somehow, yeah. But it is interesting that every majorly successful or just high-powered, high-energy person only survives without burning out and is only doing what they're doing because they have a totally random hobby. Like I haven't met anyone on the show who hasn't been like, (laughs) oh, it's, you know, gardening, pot plants and succulents or, you know, pottery or, you know, it's always I planted two succulents last week, so we'll well, say that. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) What's your – because you're quite similar. Your life is so intertwined I found it really hard to lose yoga because a lot of our yoga yoga studios stock matcher. So for me, that – used to be my activity but I had to replace it because I was like I'm always thinking can I stock it here or oh my god that person over there could be really good to do an interview or send some matcha so for me it's crime fiction Okay. Literally gone. So that was a loaded question because I was like, yeah, what what else can I do? do? So a lot of Netflix. Yeah, yeah. And not learning, not documentaries, not anything like health and fitness related, only like crime or war. I'm really fascinated in war history. And this took a lot of hobby finder Googling to like figure it out. (laughs) Gardening. It's good that someone else Googles how to find a hobby. And puzzles because they are, for my A type productive self, they are like the opposite of joy like they are so unproductive because they have no purpose you literally destroy it after you make it to put it back in the box so I had to force myself to do it and it's actually joyful I think there's joy though in creating like you're putting something together and I think that's what my hobby will be building something or making I was even tactile I was even googling last night how to build a motorcycle thinking (gasps) it would be something that I could just 
leave <laughs> work <out>. today <laughs> on a Monday night and just build a motorcycle like an idiot. But yeah, <laughs> it's the things like that that make you forget the time. They're yeah. the things. But I mean, you know, on the flip side, at the moment, you know, I'm still, I'm about six months into this role. I yeah. love it. I'm still got all the energy that totally. I had at the beginning. Um, I know that burnout will come and yeah. I know I need that hobby. <laughs> but it's maybe <laughs> but not now. But that's why I'm being proactive and trying yeah. to find <laughs> how to build finder. a, market, a motorbike. Yeah. Your next business will be an app called Hobby Finder. Yeah, you, <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Trademark Scott and Sarah. <laughs> All right. So just to finish up, what are three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in interviews? <laughs> There's literally nothing it's my interesting favorite. about me. No, but you think that. See, self-doubt. You think you're um, not interesting, but no one hears from the editor because you're always telling other people's stories. That's true. That is true. I need to have these just off the cuff. Um, all right. Well, we were just talking about off mic before my obsession with matcha. I love so good. matcha. Um, He's going to be our new so matcha maiden ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why this interview is an automatic yes for me. Um, Aww, and I've got so matcha much. white chocolate sitting in front of me, which will be gone. I'll have to send him another within box. five minutes. <laughs> uh, love matcha. Got any party tricks? Tattoos? <laughs> allergies? Oh. Pet peeves? Um, Mine's people who walk slowly, three deep on a footpath. Yeah, like slow really walkers are the death. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is such a tough one, and you're gonna have to do so much editing out of blank. No, noise. no, <laughs> no! I love it. Do you have a nickname? Did you um, wet the bed when you were a kid? No. Oh, you know, any weird things like that? I'm so normal. It's actually <laughs> depressing, to be honest. Um, I mean, anyone that follows me on Instagram will know that um, we have a little family sausage dog that I'm quite obsessed with. And <gasps> so my, my Instagram is verged on the edge of being a, a dog Instagram. A dog Instagram. Yeah. I guess, I don't know, I keep quite a lot quiet about what I do outside of work just because I like to champion other people's stories. But I guess some of the things that I'm proud of, like I do adventure races every now and then. So we're oh, doing like a 24 awesome. hour race in a couple of weeks. <gasps> Yeah, so I guess outside of work, I'm training for that sort of thing. Oh, that's so interesting. It, yeah, is it's it just not, not to you because you know about it. I guess so. That's yeah. the same with anyone's story, though. That's true. That's true. Um, and then that third one, I'll email through and we can put it on a caption. Okay. For podcast. <laughs> Think on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, final question is what is your favorite motivational quote? <laughs> Do you want to email that one through too? Such big questions. <laughs> um, so usually, guys, I send through the questions for people to have a look at. I didn't send them through to Scott, so that's why he's like, what the fuck? I, I like to answer honestly and from the heart, but um, uh, let's just go with the one of you are the pe- you are the product of the people that you spend the most time with just because that's super timely today. Such a good one. And, um, Meant to be. It's quite... I don't know, I'm a huge power believer in the power of collaboration and working with good people. And, you know, even in my job, our traditional competitors, I kind of want to work with them just because yeah. what's good for us is good for the industry. So, yeah, let's go with that one. Amazing. Yeah, Great way to Yeah, surround finish. yourself with good people. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm so lucky to have been able to do that this morning. Thank you so much. No, thank you. <laughs> How much fun is Scott? So exciting to see men's health tackle issues like anxiety and mental health in a world where vulnerability is not traditionally as encouraged for everyone but particularly for men but where it is just as important to discuss as it is in women's health so I love what Scott's doing with the magazine and I highly recommend that you grab a copy of the latest issue with Liam Payne from One Direction on the cover where they delve deep into anxiety and mental health and I did manage by the way to chase Scotty up for one of those last few things that people don't usually find out about him since he only gave us two and he gave us four extras so He's been on Made in Chelsea for a few episodes. He cries at the end of every episode of Modern Family without fail. Who doesn't? Best show ever. He's the proud owner of the world's greatest sausage dog. And he can speak and rap in Spanish. And I must apologise, I didn't get this out of him in the interview. Otherwise, I would have made him do it for you all. So maybe we could do a follow-up one day and he can share his skills. As always, please do share the episode tagging at Scotty Hendo and myself to let us know what you thought. And so we know who's listening along. Love hearing what you've learned or reflected on through the episode. Hope you're having a fabulous week and a seizing your yay. <laughs>